Amen. That's correct. The church is not the building, it's the people in it. It is wonderful to be with you again this morning. It is a real pleasure to be here in Croydon Jubilee one more time. I think I've preached here once and this is my second time. So I guess I didn't do a, a bad job last time. You invited me back, so that's good. Um, I hope I don't ruin it this time. <laughs> All right. Today I'm going to tell you two stories. First, I came, I told you one story about Jesus getting the disciples to the other side of the lake. Today I want to tell you two quick stories, but I've only got 20 minutes, so I'm going to be quick. And I'm going to need you to bear with me. There is lots to say in two passages. I'm going to read, and then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to expound the scripture together. I'm also aware that this is your vision series, so I'm going to be bold to bring application of the scriptures to you today, okay? So let's read, and then let's pray. My first reading, the story is found in Luke chapter 5. We're going to read the first 11 verses. It's going to come up on the screen, but my ESV version says, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, being Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. We have worked all night, Lord, and we have caught nothing. Nothing. Hmm. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when he had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and the nets were breaking. Verse 7. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, or it, actually my version says, when he saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. O oh Lord. And he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken in. And so they and so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, um, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. Hallelujah. And they had when they had brought in the boat to the land, they left everything. And followed him. I've given you the passage for the second story. I'm going to tell you very quickly because there's only one verse in there that I want you to pick up on. Okay, so the second story is found in Luke chapter 9, verse 10 to 17. Again, Jesus is speaking to a large group of people. In fact, they had been with him a long time. And they got hungry. So the disciples said, you know, send them away to go and get some food. And um, you know the story. Jesus basically said, no, you feed them. There are about 5,000 men besides women and children, so thousands of people there. Um, and so there was no way they were going to be able to feed them. And Jesus says, what do you have? Jesus took the little two fish and five loaves of bread. He took it up, blessed it. But here's the instruction, and this is what I want you to note. In verse 14, the scripture says, 
and they sat down in groups of 50. And then they all ate, and they picked up 12 baskets full of leftovers. The important thing is they sat down in groups of 50. And we'll come to that in a second. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, that when we gather, you gather to us. You are faithful to your word, and we have experienced it this morning already. That wherever two or three gather in your name, there you are. We have felt your presence, your stirring of our hearts, our washing away of our sins and the taintment of the world, and lifting up our eyes, our gaze to you. We thank you the fresh, for the fresh faith and enthusiasm, the spirit that is urging us on, that is pounding our hearts. We thank you for all of that. And Lord, we are ready to hear your word. And this, we do not take your word as a, an educational exercise. Lord, we want to do your bidding. And so we pray now, Holy Spirit, would you speak to your people as I preach. Lord, cause your sheep to hear your voice exactly what every individual needs to hear. Speak to them through me, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So like I said, there are two stories and it is a vision series, and I want to speak to you about those things. So number one, we have found Jesus on this journey where he's speaking to lots of people. He finds two boats, and he gets into one of them. My first point is this. Sovereign choices of God brings you into relationship with him. You are chosen by God. Note that it was not Peter who invited Jesus onto his boat. Jesus chose that boat. If you are here or if you're a believer because you have come to know the love of God, it is not your doing. The Bible says you are saved by grace through faith and even the faith is not of your own. It is very important that you understand that you are sitting here or you have a relationship with God, not because you chose God, but because God chose you. Jesus came to your boat. Even if you're born in a Christian family, you've known the scriptures from the very beginning, even the family in which you were born into was chosen by God. Your relationship with God began, the scripture puts it this way, from the foundations of the earth. You were elected. Now, this was a, revol a revolutional thinking in my, in my understanding, because I was raised in the ch in Church of Pentecost, a Pentecostal church, which a lot of the emphasis was on, basic, on the basis of what you do. In other words, I am a Christian because I accepted the gospel. I chose God. I said yes to the Lord, and therefore I am saved. Which is true, but that's not the full story. I was able to say yes to the Lord because the Lord came to me. Because the Lord opened himself to me irresistible grace. God says, Joseph, understand that you are a sinner, but believe that in spite of your sin, I love you. I want to be with you. You are my creation. I love you nevertheless. So believe that my son died for you and I will pardon your sins and you will become my child and I'll walk with you the rest of your life. And I said, yes. Could I say no? I said, yes. And my life changed. Even though I was raised in a Christian family, I went to church all my, all my life, really, in, in a community in Ghana. At age 17, in that Bible study class, that Tuesday night, 
when I said yes to God, everything changed. And although I have lived up until maybe 2008, thinking that I chose God, I came to, to the scriptures of election in Romans, and perhaps even these scriptures indicate that actually my salvation has not come from me at all. That actually I came to say yes to the Lord because he had appointed me to be his son. And this is critical because vision must begin with your identity. And if you don't get this right, if you don't get this gospel right, that you are chosen by God, not because of anything that you have done, when we begin to act on our vision and going for God, the devil might trick you to think you're doing something to please God, to earn your salvation, and your, your whole identity gets wrapped up in what you do. I want you to see that before Peter did anything, Jesus got onto his boat. Jesus chose him. We are chosen by God, and nothing can change that. God, as we've been singing today, is faithful. He does not promise you something and change his mind. He's dependable. We're able to cross the chasm because of his love that is relentless. He is able to keep us. Grace choices is very important. Before you go out on any mission, understand that you are chosen by grace. Number two, because of the sovereignty of God, many people have come into this place of then I don't need to do anything because God is going to do whatever he's going to do anyway. And that is wrong. And this is where the Pentecostals have got it right because they go out and work. Okay, so here, here, here is the truth, or the balance of the truth. Jesus then said to Peter, take your net and put it back in the water. Peter knows there is no fish. He is the fisherman, not a rabbi. He is the expert on the sea. And he says to the rabbi, there is no fish. We have worked all night. We have worked all night, Jesus. There is no fish. But because you say so, I will lay down the net. Because you say so, I will lay down the net. Now, this is faith acting in obedience. Okay? Faith acting in obedience. In other words, everything I said before about I said yes to God, I walked with God, I do what God is telling me to do, and all of that is now yes and appropriate, having understood that I'm chosen by God. But it is crucial because the sovereignty of God does not excuse us to be disobedient. Actually, God works in partnership with us to bring about the great catch, as we know the story goes on to explain. So number two, obedience to God brings much fruit. God works in partnership with us to bring about much fruit. Yes, he can do it all by himself. He is sovereign, but God has chosen to work with sons and daughters of himself to bring about the revelation that he wants the world to see. So, number one, election. Number two, obedience. Obedience is critical. But obedience to God is not like obeying your mom and dad. As difficult as that might be sometimes, obedience to God is even harder and yet simpler. Because obedience to God always requires faith. It requires you to do 
what would normally not be okay. It requires you to be dependent on him and not your own intellect. It requires trust, simply put. This is why it is so hard and yet so simple. All Peter had to do was lay down the net. And yet, if Peter knew any better, the mental turmoil that he might be in, going, everybody's watching Jesus, you preach, and everybody's now looking at us. We go fishing, you know, daylight now, we've worked all night and there's nothing. Everybody's going to see that you messed up. You've done this great sermon, but you're about to mess up. You're, go- you're about to make yourself look foolish, Jesus. And me, because I should know better, because I'm the fisherman, right? I should be telling you this is not a good idea. But because you say so, and faith response causes him to lay down a net in a sea where he knows there is no fish, just because the rabbi says so. Number three. Number three is simple. Number three is this. You can do more together than you can by yourself. You can do more together than you can by yourself. So you see in the passage, he lays down the net in obedience. And of course, faith produces fruit. And there's a great catch. And so what does he do? He signals for his partners, the other boat, to come and join them so that none of the fish is lost. Okay? He signals for partners, partner boats, to come so, so that together they can take in every single fish that the Lord has given them so that nobody or no one gets lost. That's the, the, the um, exposition on the scriptures. I'm going to very quickly go to the second story and then I'm going to come to application. The second story is very simple again. We at Beulah Family Church, and I know of your churches, will have believed God for many salvations. I know when Paul Barrett first came, he had this vision of planting churches. I know you guys have a heart for growth. You've attempted to plant back into Addington. I know you're working into our communities. I know the Harrisons have done projects to help the poor and the needy, um, of which we were beneficiaries of before. And I know you've done Arthur courses, you've done um, clothes swaps, and you've done kids club, and all of those things that you do for your community, your coffee shop, and all of those things. And all of that is because you're believing God to save people and add to you. Beulah Family Church, we have believed for a long time that God had given us this promise of a church of a thousand. And for a long time, up until about three years ago, we had believed that God was going to give us a thousand people on the crescent right where we are situated because we'd prayed for 10% of the 10,000 people living one mile radius from the church. But about two years ago, God began to speak to us and direct us in a different direction. I read, well, actually, I got the idea, but then I didn't share it. I had it in my heart. And in a prayer meeting, 
um, two years ago in January, we, we do a week prayer. And the first week of January, we pray together. And in this prayer meeting, one of our ladies said, as we were praying, Joseph, I saw um, screens being put in different locations across Croydon. And what was happening in the church was projected onto there. Now, this lady has no idea of what she was saying in terms of mortisite or changing the expression of church. All she said was, that's what I saw. I don't know what it means. But I already had an inkling of what the Lord might be saying to us. And then in January, we went to Alawite churches. So all the regions beyond UK churches, leaders, we meet together to, um, to pray, to envision ourselves and encourage ourselves. And I went forward for us to pray for Forestdale because we have a, a big heart for Forestdale. And in the prayer meeting, people pray that God, you know, do amazing things and help us and stir us up and God bring about the promises of a church of a thousand for Beulah and all of those things. And it was really stirring. And then at the end of the prayer meeting, Rodney Haggard, who is our prophet in terms of regions beyond UK anyway, pulled me aside and he said, I saw two pictures for you and for Beulah. Number one, I saw a cluster of grapes and each grape represents a church. And so do not think of yourself that God is giving you one church, but actually God is giving you many churches or congregations. And before I could say anything, because again, I already knew that God was leading me in a different direction, but I just needed confirmation. You want to hear from God, right? Um, and so before I could say, whoa, what's going on here? He said, the second picture is like it. I saw a star, like a church in the middle, and around it were lots of different stars, a ring of stars around it, and each star represented a church. Now, obviously, we are not led just because the prophetic said so, but notice what I said. The prophetic word brought confirmation of what I already felt God was saying to me. And so we believe, God, that actually we're not going to go for a thousand people on the crescent of Fountain Heath. We're going to break camp and advance. And we're going to sit in groups across Croydon. And of course, this scripture says, the way you feed thousands of people is to sit them in groups so that nobody misses out. Nobody get lost in the sea of people. People are taken care of and everybody is well fed. That is why I told you that story. Now, let me close. Why am I here today? Why is John Cleby, who was the leader of our church for 30 years and just now handed over to me a year ago, coming here tomorrow, I mean next week. And Trevor Payne is also going to come here in terms of what, what is happening. You're thinking, okay, what's going on here? And I think um, Neil already alluded to it last week when he preached. What is going on here is that is the story in this passage about you can do more together than you can do on your own is what we're beginning to try and explore to work together towards. A marrying of Beulah Family Church and Croydon Jubilee to impact Croydon. We have worked hard in Thornton Heath. And I know that you guys have worked hard in the south of Dubai. But imagine what we could do together if we have one heart, one mission, one vision pushing for the agenda of God, the kingdom agenda of God. Not just Beulah by ourselves, not just Croydon Jubilee by ourselves, 
but together. And the Bible says, Bible says one can chase a thousand, but two can chase ten thousand. Not two thousand, not three thousand, but ten thousand. In other words, the great collaboration brings about much fruit. And we are able, the two boats are able to carry more than they would if it was just one boat. That's the first thing. The second thing is, we are agreeing that we are not going for a mega church on one site. We are agreeing that to make sure everybody is looked after, cared for, and loved, and known within the communities, we're exploring more site. In other words, our church is going to, is to group up in different congregations across Croydon. And so you know that we obviously we've started Forestdale, um, still meeting in Thornton Heath, but again, meeting in Forestdale. And we have a heart for New Identity, and I know you guys have a heart for New Identity as well. So watch this space for what we could do together. In closing, the things that I've been sharing today is not just a theoretical thing that I that, that it sounds good. I speak with conviction because we've already begun to walk in them and the fruit is coming up. I'll give you an example. God gave Thornton Heave a heart for reaching every child in Croydon. And we did, five, we did five schools in the north of the borough, but we had no connection with churches in the south of the borough. But I knew that you have a heart for children through Lorna. So I contacted Lorna. And lo and behold, when we arrived, Lorna says she'd been praying for burden bearers so we can do more together. Because of our connection with Lorna, every single child in Gilbert Scott School hears the gospel at least six times in an academic year because we go there. And then because of Sally, while she was on maternity leave, introduce us to Greenvale. And for that one introduction, every single child in Greenvale hears the gospel at least six times in an academic year. And then, of course, when God led me to Nick's house and we live in there, we decided to work towards Forestdale. And now, not only does all of Forestdale hear the gospel at least, I mean, Forestdale Primary School hear the gospel at least six times a year, they have invited us to plant our church in this school. And amongst all odds, when we're ready to go, COVID came in and we stopped. And then we heard from you guys that the government was going to release the churches to start meeting together on the 4th of July. So I did one of those perhaps moments. Let me just ask them. I know that churches are not even meeting together and I know schools will not be opening for other communities to come in, but God had given us so much favor, so let me just ask anyone. I asked for one week, and they said yes. So the group of us went to the school, we did a church service, and it was so good. The presence of God, our joy, all the things that we've been dreaming of that we thought COVID was about to kill, came into fruition. And then they said, are we meeting next week? But Joseph of Little Faith had only booked one week. So I said, I don't know. I went back to the school and told them that it was really good, shared with them. And from that day, they booked us on into the school every single week since then, and we've been meeting there. And just one last thing. Last week, 
because up until now we haven't had children in our in our meeting i went to them i said look we we do not feel good about not having children in our church we want to open it up and she said we can give you the the infant hall the dining hall a staff room extra toilets one for the children and i was thinking okay all right how much is this going to cost and before she finished her sentence she said and i'm going to go to the governors and ask them to give you all of that for free <laughs> god's choices god chose these things to happen simple obedience to say yes lord brings about fruit and we want to do that together thank you for having me today